welcome to Crossview Radio, weekly podcast for Wayne County. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We exist to glorify God by exalting Christ and magnifying the gospel for the joy of all nations. Well, we have been talking about OCD, and uh, I want to start to kind of uh, take a little bit of a shift here and talk more directly about the cure. And I do plan on doing this, Lord willing, over the next several podcasts. Um, we're going to plan on doing a couple of them uh, on this topic um, in order to uh, kind of touch on the biblical data just one at a time here. So we're not done yet. We've got a few more to go. Um, and uh, I want to start today kind of by just a little bit of rehearsing where we've been, but to acknowledge that it's really a shame that the church has relinquished uh, this issue uh, to the quote-unquote professionals, particularly uh, when church history um, tells us stories of Christians who struggled with this issue and overcame it, uh, really, as we've seen with good theology. And uh, it's a shame because the Bible itself addresses the issue, and there is hope from a biblical perspective. Uh, one of the reasons for the shortcoming of the secular models is that they fail to approach this topic with a correct um, anthropology, a correct homartiology, and there are at least two big misconceptions in this area. The first is that they fail to see that people are two parts, body and soul, and the vast majority of secular responses misunderstand uh, this area and typically view people as material only, um, and then the second failure is that they miss the doctrine of total depravity, instead viewing people as either basically good or basically neutral. Now, I am aware that the psychoanalytic foundation of Freud does kind of put uh, their anthropology into seeing mankind as a selfish animal. Uh, but even this misses the biblical understanding of total depravity, as well as the fact that mankind is not just um, uh, fallen, but is an image bearer of God. So uh, the Christian view when approaching counseling issues is that men and women are fallen image bearers of God. And so uh, the difference here in the foundations, kind of where you start from, is going to have a significant impact on how this plays out in the long haul. So, okay, with that aside, uh, let's categorize this, or I should say begin to categorize OCD from a biblical perspective. And one of the principles to remember when you are um, going through counseling situations like this or in other uh, counseling situations is to uh, translate modern psychological language into biblical language. And so that's what we want to do today. And uh, what, what I want to do is, uh, I don't plan on doing this each time, but maybe just kind of, just for a few minutes, take you into the workshop today um, and show you how I kind of worked through it today in doing some uh, study on this. Um, and then uh, my plan next time is to just hit it in kind of a summary format. Um, so what do I mean by that? Well, how do we go about finding OCD in the Bible? Um, the phrase obsessive compulsive disorder doesn't show up anywhere in the Bible. Um, so we're not going to find anything that way. 
Um, but if you do remember, there is an older word um, that still is used today, but there's an older word that um, a lot of individuals have used to describe OCD in the past, and it is the word scrupulosity or scruples or uh, scrupulous. And uh, I decided to do a search on that in uh, my Bible. I have 64 English Bibles uh, in my electronic library, and I searched all of them, and I got 29 hits for variations of the word scruples. Now, out of those hits, I narrowed it down to verses in actually the Bible because it included the Apocrypha originally. Um, and uh, I kind of weeded out some of the wor- uh, verses where it maybe didn't necessarily make sense or it was too paraphrastic to be helpful. And so I came down to finding nine verses in the Bible uh, that contain the word or a variation of the word scrupulous. And so let me give you some examples of those. The Revised Standard Version in 1 Corinthians 10 in verse 29 uses the word as a replacement for the word conscience. And it says this, Why should my liberty be determined by another man's scruples um, or another man's conscience? The International Standard Version in 2 Chronicles 8.15 uh, describes the priests and Levites paying attention, paying close attention to the king's commands, and it says this, they scrupulously adhered to the orders issued by the king. And then in the New King James Version, in Romans 15.1, it says this, we who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak. And so here it's a synonym, as uh, the ESV would put it, the failings of the week. New King James says scruples of the week. So uh, this is an interesting one because um, I looked this one up and uh, I looked the Greek word up that's translated as scruples. Uh, and the Greek word is asthenema. Um, and when you read this word in the lexicon... Uh, Of course, it gives a number of uh, meanings, uh, variations. Uh, The main meaning in the lexicon is weakness. And then it goes on to say, interestingly enough, conscientious scruples caused by weakness of faith. Um, Now, I took that and I looked at the verb form of the same word, And after the main definition, the verb form um, says this, of weaknesses, or I'm sorry, of weakness in determining determining correct courses of action, to be weak in faith, i.e. over scrupulous. Now, there's one kind of word of caution to keep in mind here, and that is the term scrupulosity has come to mean something slightly different from the word scruples, uh, the generic meaning of the word could be, and uh, this now I'm taking from the OED, Oxford English Dictionary, um, the word scruples could mean meticulous, hesitation, doubt, mistrust, carefulness. 
And on the other hand, the word scrupulosity has come to be connected with what we might call a quote-unquote condition or quote-unquote an ailment. Um, So there are plenty of situations where uh, the generic meaning of scruples could, could actually be in a positive light. So being meticulous... Uh, or having uh, attention to detail can be a good thing. Uh, but it's the obsession or the kind of the being over-scrupulous that's the problem. And so there is kind of an inherent diversity of meaning in this term. So it could be used positively in order to say they scrupulously adhered to the orders issued by the king. You know, they were they were meticulous. They carried it out faithfully. Or it could be negatively used to mean over-scrupulous. But before we get too distracted here, as we're kind of looking at this um, word study, um, we're trying to discover whether or not we can translate modern lingo about OCD back into the Bible, into biblical language, to see if the Bible addresses this topic, and if so, how it addresses it. So is there anything to these verses, and do they address OCD in any way? And I think that the answer is yes. While most of the verses uh, that we found don't uh, you know, really address the topic, I do think uh, the one we've just been looking at, Romans 15.1 does. Uh, so let me just read it to you once more. And uh, let's see if we can um, draw some conclusions about uh, what this means for OCD. So Romans 15, 1, I'll read to you the, the New King James first, since that uses the word scruples, and then I'll read to you from the ESV. So the New King James says, We then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. ESV says, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. So what does this do to help us? Well, it at least identifies an over-scrupulous individual as being weak. So it says the scruples of the weak or the failings of the weak. And this is particularly in having a weak conscience. And I would guess that most OCD individuals will affirm this. And when I say weak conscience, I'm saying an oversensitive conscience, a conscience that's sounding the alarm when it should not be sounding the alarm. Um, And even we looked at Luther last week. So he uh, shares this experience. Luther had written, If I lived and worked to all eternity, my conscience would never reach comfortable certainty as to know how much it must do to satisfy God. So his conscience would never be really satisfied in believing that it had done enough to please God. Luther also said this, he said, uh, and I think I brought this one up last week as well, he said, I went to confession frequently, and I performed the assigned penances faithfully. Nevertheless, my conscience could never achieve certainty, but was always in doubt and said, you've not done this correctly, you are not contrite enough, you omitted this in your confession. Therefore, the longer I tried to heal my uncertain, weak, and troubled conscience with human traditions, the more uncertain, weak, and troubled I continually made it. 
So in what ways do people with OCD have a weak or oversensitive conscience? Well, there's a number of ways, and I'll give a couple, uh, certainly not limited to this, but they may have a thought pop into their head about harming someone, and they might believe that they really wanted to do that. Or they might feel guilty for not saying a prayer a certain way or using certain phrases in that prayer. They might feel like they have to repent uh, for eating a meal without having a sincere prayer first. Um, And again, this is not always necessarily a quote-unquote religious type thing. I knew an individual who uh, accidentally drove his car a couple of feet off onto the shoulder of the road and he thought he needed to go back and find the owner of that property so he could go apologize to him um, for driving on his on his property. Uh, you might feel guilty for touching something that might have germs on it, and you have to go back and wash everything or uh, inform people about the germs or whatever it might be. You might apologize frequently or any number of things like this. I don't think it's a stretch to say that one application of Romans 15.1 is that we are to bear with the OCD of the week. Um, We are to bear with people who have weak consciences, consciences that are uh, always going off. And I realize and understand that um, this can oftentimes be very bothersome for people. It can be annoying Uh, to have to deal with someone who is just uh, oversensitive to everything. Uh, And yet, when Romans 15.1 says that we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak, or in the New King James, bear with the scruples of the weak, I think we could at least make an application that we are to bear with our brothers and sisters in Christ who may have an oversensitive conscience. Um, so what, so what, so let's talk a little bit about what's the result of this exercise. Um, the Bible does address this, and this is just one way. I I plan on addressing a number of other ways, uh, that the Bible addresses this topic over the upcoming weeks. Uh, for instance, uh, the OCD individual is one who typically has a need for certainty, uh, and the Bible addresses that. Um, the OCD individual um, is one who wants, uh, sometimes idolizes perfectionism. And so there are different things like this that we'll address from a biblical perspective. But I want to kind of just talk about the, the oversensitive conscience one here today uh, as we've kind of gone through this short little exercise here. So the Bible does address the topic. Um And we don't have to just relinquish this topic to the quote-unquote professional. So the question is, how do we deal with an overactive conscience? Um, So so there's a lot that can be said here. And what we did uh, as a church recently is we just went through a study in the book Conscience by Andy Nacelli and J.D. Crowley. And I would highly, highly commend that book to you. Um, that they're going to go into significant amount of detail on how to train your conscience, how to agree or how to live with people who, who, um, disagree on conscience issues and those kinds of things. Um, but, but I just want to deal with this in maybe just one 
one way, one perspective, and that is I just want to look at three different passages um, to help the person with the scrupulous conscience or the person with OCD. Um, how can they think about what their conscience is telling them versus what's true? Uh, and so first passage is Romans 2, 14 through 16, says this, When Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts while their conscience also bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. Okay, so this passage teaches that it is a normal function of the conscience to condemn a person or excuse them. Uh, This is actually a good thing and something that we should desire to have. We're not trying to eliminate the conscience in any way. In fact, to have a silent conscience is a dangerous thing. Uh, Could be a sign of the Lord giving us over to our sin and just not even telling us anymore uh, how wrong it is. And that just allows us to go on and pile sin upon sin um, and store up, uh, as the Bible says, wrath for ourselves if we, uh, if we do that. So a functioning conscience is good. We want to have that. But we're not talking about that. We are talking about an overactive conscience. So how do we deal with that? How do we deal with what we might call a scrupulous conscience? And this brings us to our second passage, which is 1 John chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 19 through 20, and it says this, By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him, for whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. To borrow John MacArthur's comments on this verse from his commentary, there is a higher court than the human heart. In other words, there are times when our heart may condemn us unjustly due to an overactive conscience. But in that situation, what 1 John 3 tells us is to recognize that God is superior to our conscience, that that, that there is a higher court, that we are not subject to uh, ourselves. We are subject to the Lord and His knowledge of us. And so the question that I think 1 John 3 poses to us And the question that is particularly relevant for the individual going through OCD is this. What voice will you listen to? Will you listen to yourself or will you listen to the Lord? But you might ask, upon what basis should we listen to the Lord's voice on this issue? And it is upon the theology given in our third verse, Romans 8, 
1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is the theology that needs to be recognized by the person struggling with OCD, that there is a higher court than the human heart, and that if you are someone who is in Jesus Christ, then there is no condemnation. You are forgiven, and you are counted as not guilty. This, interestingly enough, is really what helped Bunyan and Luther, as we saw the last couple of weeks, and that is the imputed righteousness of Christ. It is because of the imputed righteousness of Christ that Romans 8.1 is true. It is because of the imputed righteousness of Christ that 1 John 3.19 and 20 is true, is that we can have the perfect righteousness of Christ And because of that, even though we have sinned, we are considered and counted as being not guilty. You are not more pious than the Lord. If the Lord says you're forgiven, then you're forgiven. And you can rest in that. Thanks for listening to Crossview Radio. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We meet Sundays at 10 a.m. at the Orville YMCA. To find out more about Crossview Church, visit us online at crossvieworville.com.